When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cherry still. Adama Traore for the home side. Again whips in another cross. And Steve Cook's there. But so is Raul Jimenez. It's the Traore-Jimenez combination yet again. Number 15 of the season for Raul Jimenez. A ninth assist for Traore. You won't find a better cross today. Straight on the head of the Mexican. And Bournemouth are suckered by the most likely combination it would be. Wolves have the lead. Good morning, it's episode 87 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Hope you're doing well this Monday morning. We weren't actually going to do a pod because the Wolves match was, well, it was last week, wasn't it? And it's not so fresh anymore, but we thought we'd better because what is a Monday morning without an AFC Bournemouth podcast? It would be horrible, wouldn't it? It, it would be like, I don't know, supporting Saints in a football match. Who would do that? Uh, Yeah, that was all of us yesterday. And thankfully, they did the business over Watford. You know, what with that and putting the pennies in their buckets. I mean, they saved our club, right? Um, Anyway, enough of that. We've got some football to talk about. And with Newcastle United around the corner on Wednesday night, I'm joined by Jeff Hayward. Now, he wasn't on YouTube in the week, but you'll hear his views very briefly on that Wolverhampton Wanderers game. But we're mainly here to preview, of course, Newcastle United. It's a must-win fixture for AFC Bournemouth. So we're going to be getting his take. And also, we're going to be finding out his chosen 11-2. And if you want to watch that on YouTube as well, it's on there right now. Go, 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 go. It's youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Plus, we've been doing some media duties this week as well, and Jeff has been, well, really busy. He's been on Radio Solent twice. He was also on Radio 5 Live. Now, we know Chris Sutton loves that. It's called Monologue Descent. It's where they go on for three minutes on a scripted audio rampage, and it's where they try to get the listeners calling in, and if they can see the the desks in front of them flashing up with people on the phones. Well, they know they've done a good job. And Chris Sutton, well, he's the master at that. And um, he was trying to uh, get Jeff riled, but the cool, calm and composed Jeff Hayward, he put the ex-Celtic striker back in his box. Oh, did he? You're going to hear that later on, plus some bits that I did for Meridian as well. Not that we're padding out the podcast or anything. Anyway, we're going to get Jeff in shortly. But first, as ever, let's do this. 
so on this week's show, we're going to kind of make it as easy as possible because it's a bit of an unplanned episode, really. But when was the last time that AFC Bournemouth played in the Premier League and scored a goal in both halves? Which match was it? Do you know? Yeah, it's um, it's a while ago. But was it this year? Was it last year? What was the last match that AFC Bournemouth played in the Premier League where they scored in both halves? The answer is at the end of the show. So before we go on about Newcastle, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, an improved performance, but that familiar sinking feeling. Attacking potency still awfully absent, but elsewhere, some good shape, some dangerous moments, but ultimately the same defensive errors. In fact, exactly the same as Wolves did against West Ham. We made changes during the second half, but it only made a flexible team more rigid. The work rate was improved, but the result was not. Where are the goals going to come from? My goodness. Aside from that, Jeff, <laughs> how are you? Pretty good, Sam. Thank you. We won't talk about it for too long, but obviously um, we did our post-match chat on YouTube and me and you haven't really had a chance to catch up properly have uh, since that, have we? And uh, it it wasn't brilliant. We started all right. Again, the first 10 minutes against Palace were okay. And I thought against Wolves we started okay and put in a decent performance in that first half uh, going forwards we seem to have the ball in more attacking areas without actually creating anything um, and defensively our shape was really good and we were frustrating them mm. Uh, we got into a number of decent areas in that first half. Jack Stacey, I thought, was particularly good at getting forward. But at the same time, he was also good at making bloopers that could have landed us in it. Thankfully, they didn't. But had a number of chances. I think Stanislas played a ball. No, Cook played a, a ball through to Billing early doors. Or Stanislas did, I can't remember. And then Lewis Cook played a ball over the top. But ultimately, um, you know, you can't really recall a shot on goal. I think Billing had a very weak effort. But other than that, um, we looked fairly impotent up front. And I'm not really sure whether the, the, that lended itself to the formation that we were playing. But it was, well, it was a bit more... Like organised at the back, wasn't it? And I thought that the way that Smith and Stanislas were doubling up on Traore was was pretty good. But ultimately, it was him that did the damage yet again, exactly the same as the last weekend. Well, you felt at 65 minutes, if we could have just kept that for another 10 minutes, Traore would have been off. And, he, he, you know, we'd have, we'd have killed their main threat going forwards, I think. But, yes... Defensively, we were much better organised and we did frustrate them and that was good to see. The work rate was there, we were getting back and I, I sensed that Eddie probably set us up to go for a nil-nil. So uh, what happened at half-time, any fluidity that we had in that first half seemed to just disappear. I felt that Wolves stepped up a gear. I think Nuno probably got into them and said, get the ball to Traore and what you've got to do is just run down the wing and cross it in. And he did that about two or three times. 
And in the first half, where we were doubling up and closing him down and he wasn't getting the crosses in, it just seemed that Stanislas ran out of gas. Smith was on his own. And I love Adam Smith, and I thought he did play really well. But for a full-back, he, he doesn't shut out enough crosses for me. And Traore got behind him. It was a carbon copy of the goal they scored against West Ham. Him and his pulling off the back of Steve Cook, got in, in between Stacey and Cook. Great header, you know, good goal. And for that sort of 20 minutes after half-time when they were in the ascendancy and you were you were thinking every time they got the ball going forwards, they could score. Well, they did. And, you know, we're not great at chasing leads, are we? No. Uh, did you ever feel as though we were going to come back into it at any point once they were one up? Because I didn't. No. And, and um, the players are obviously struggling with fitness level. I mean, it was super hot that day. Players obviously struggling uh Lerma went off I thought he was much better um I thought Billing was a actually his touch was awful but his presence was important and he was getting forward and causing some issues um but he went off as well um Harry Wilson came on uh Solanke came on I mean you know the substitutes were anonymous for for the players that they replaced and mm-hmm. and that was a real shame Brooks I thought did did okay again and Stanislas looked decent for the first 45 minutes that he was on of those 65 so so you know it was it was bits and pieces of goodness in there we weren't crisp enough with the ball with our passing again and um one fan commented that Stacey was our most attacking player and he was you know when he got the ball and attacked them down the flanks we actually looked dangerous but even so you felt there was just Callum to aim at four defenders we we just weren't getting forward to support Callum and creating uh, creating problems for them at all it seemed to be a lot more fluid in the first half and in the second there were a number of occasions where the balls just lumped forward to Callum as if he was some kind of Steve Fletcher character but there was no one near him so he was expected to not only hold it up uh, well get it under control but also hold it up and wait for his teammates to arrive and it just didn't it didn't seem uh, so good at all and you know like you said Stacey was his attacking prowess was great at right back um, Smith as good as a job he did on Triori I think there was an imbalance there and he did he doesn't get forward like uh, like Stacey does and you know I know Rico maybe isn't quite there yet in terms of his attacking prowess but he can get a ball into the box and Callum Wilson didn't really get much service so a lot of people have been moaning about Callum saying that well we're glad he's out anyway however you've got to say that in in terms of ball to feet his service was was pretty poor and I think it's just the way we didn't really move up as a unit um there seemed to be such a massive gap between the midfield and the striker and that's where David Brooks is supposed to come in there were a number of occasions in the first half we broke fairly quickly but it always broke down due to a misplaced pass or lack of control and Wolves to their credit were really well drilled and I was so impressed the way they break the way they attack is really good but then they get back and their shape is also so so good and it was it was almost like facing Crystal Palace's defense at times but we just also know that Wolves have got some potency up front as well when they do attack I think we need that left footer on that left hand side and I was impressed with Lloyd Kelly I know he's only been on for a few minutes but he actually looked to have a bit of pace and a a, a bit of uh, intensity to get outside and, and, and make those crosses. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the next game. 
could be a risk ahead of Rico, I think, because Rico would have come on um, against Wolves, I think, if if he was in Eddie's mind. But uh, for whatever reason, he seems out of favour now. Um, Dan Juma had a had our one solitary shot in that second half, um, but I think he probably needs more support. And again, he may well start against Newcastle. And Callum disappointing that he got the yellow card I mean it's a bit of a brainless sort of challenge I think you know he, he didn't need to do that um, but um, I think the players were you know you talked about the aimless long balls I think the players were told to hit the channels more for Callum mm-hmm. hot day he didn't get some of those balls early on when he probably made the run so he sort of slowed down and, and made fewer of those runs as the game went on so it looked as if we were really static whereas actually in that first half I did, did think we stretched them a little bit more than we did in the second. Yeah one thing I always liked with Callum was in the championship years and also in some seasons in the Premier League it was always Charlie Daniels on the left that would just ping a it would be a calculated ball forward. Uh, I wouldn't say risky in terms of uh, losing possession, but you know there would always be more chance of Callum getting on on the end of it uh, than not. And he would always peel off that defender and create gaps. We saw it in the Bolton game actually when we got promoted, and it's the. But this time it just seemed to be lumped balls very central as well. Um, but he had to sort of three players behind him. It was very difficult. Um, so I'm not on the. Um, you know, I'm glad he's not playing camp, but this does present an opportunity, um, you know, to other players, of course, and hopefully Josh King will be able to fill that void. We'll, we'll of course, speak about that. But, Jeff, I don't know about you, we were talking about scenarios when this whole project restart, is it going to happen, is it not? And we were saying, well, maybe we can promote Leeds and West Brom and then five will get relegated the next season. You might as well relegate five this season. No one wants to win, do they? No, the saving grace of everything that's going on at the moment is the the poor performances and and uh, uh, lack of form of all the other relegated sides. I, I, I've seen Villa a few times now. They look pretty rank, frankly. Mm. I mean, what about uh, what about Watford yesterday against Southampton? Yeah, so Watford, um, there was an issue with three of their players having a party. So yeah. they couldn't get picked. And I think that destabilised a lot of their usual kind of team spirit and energy. And you just get a sense that things are not happy in that Watford camp. They didn't play very well. Uh, Sice, the player who caused so many problems for against Liverpool when they won 3-0 earlier in the season. I mean, he looked a shadow of himself yesterday. Um, so, well, yeah, you know, I, I mean, Southampton did look good. I mean... You know, pains me to say it, but that is not the team that lost 9 0 to Leicester. Uh, they were sharp. And it, do you know what? They reminded me a bit of what we're like at our peak, you know, playing little triangles, players getting forward and back really quickly. They were winning every second ball against Watford. Can you remember us winning a single one in that 90 minutes when we last played them? Yeah, I was texting uh, Freddie from the Ugly Inside um, Southampton YouTube channel uh, before the game today. And I said, you know, please do us a favour this afternoon, can you? And then afterwards, he he just texted, you're welcome. And uh, I I said that I was chatting about the game to a group of friends on WhatsApp. And I, and I said to him, you know, you could be top 10 fodder next season. I said that Watford aren't exactly the gauge or the litmus test of how good your team is, but to have a flexible squad with a lot of versatility, um, compare that Southampton performance yesterday with Bournemouth's stagnant efforts so far. 
Um, and it just seemed miles apart. And also Southampton's defensive shape was also quite good. And arguably it could have been four or five uh, for Southampton. I think they've got a confidence and a belief in the manager and the system. Do we have that? Yeah, that is the question, isn't it? Do we have that? He's going to change the system for the Newcastle game. He will play 4-4-2. Fairly sure that um, he's going to have to do that because it is a must-win game. And having watched Newcastle get absolutely destroyed by Manchester City, uh, the way that they played... Um, I wouldn't be surprised having seen Palace that they wouldn't try the same that they did against City against us and probably have a lot more success uh, play that sort of low block defence and lump the ball up to Andy Carroll or you know whoever's whoever's up there Joe Linton probably to just hold the ball and wait for support and hit us on the break I think they'll probably try that and you know we're not great in that sort of scenario so he's going to change it he'll play two up front and you know we'll um We'll see how the players get on. I, I, it, I, I think the break is going to do us good, though. I do think a week off after the two games back, bit of soul-searching, bit of practice, bit of training. Uh, one of the frustrating things against Wolves, how many corners did we have? Where have our corner routines gone? Yeah. You know, it was like lump it into the box. They were bigger than us. They were better than us. Bolly is a flipping giant in that centre centre of defence. Mm. and. You know, you just sort of think that's just so aimless and not us. It's not us. One of the things that I've I've seen Wolves play twice now, obviously, and uh, one of the things that just you know, just as an aside, that I find really weird. The commentators always refer to everyone by their surname, so Neves, Traore, Jimenez, but always they say Willy Bolly. I don't know why for him they don't just say Bolly, but maybe they just like the first name. I don't know. But uh, is he relate? Was he related to Roger Bolly? Well, um, judging by the way he plays... Well, actually, to be fair, when Roger Bolly was fit, he used to bang him in, didn't he? But um, who knows? No, I think I, I think it's a slightly different spelling. Yes. So, coming up, uh, we've got our preview of the Newcastle match with myself and Jeff. But during the week, Jeff and I had a fair few media duties. So, on this section of the podcast, we're going to play some out for you now. In a moment coming up is a stint with myself on Meridian tonight. That was with Andrew Pate. And that was discussing the joys, or maybe not joys, of watching Premier League football from the comfort of your own home. But firstly, we've got a clip uh, from Saturday on BBC Radio Solent where Jeff Hayward had an extended 10-minute chat with Adam Blackmore. Now, just before we play the audio, it's worth noting that this content is copyright and owned by the BBC. We're going to play a short snippet, as will we, of the other stuff that we've done this week. So if you want to, in this case, listen to the whole show with Adam Blackmore, just go to BBC Sounds, search for his sports show on June the 27th. And this particular bit was at 2.20. But here's a few minutes of what Jeff had to say. All fans, we were all disappointed with the way we we didn't turn up against Palace. It was better in terms of defensive organisation and team organisation and spirit against Wolves. But you're right, it's about 
going forward scoring goals and I think uh, that's where we absolutely have to turn it around against Newcastle you know if we can do that that creates an enormous gap with the other teams dropping points around us so we've got to stay positive we've got to remember that when we played Brighton and Villa when our season was on the line earlier this year we, we turned up we played really good football and we got two important wins so mm. same attitude same performances we can do it Mm. Now, Jeff, tell me about uh, back of the net uh, for people that don't know, because you know we don't do a, a, a Saints or, or Cherries podcast. You know, the, we uh, you know we'd have to do one for all our clubs if we did one, for instance, and it's, it would be too much of an undertaking, generally. And actually, uh, the BBC doesn't like to do it necessarily do individual club podcasts because it does and, and can um, suppress or not help independent podcast for fans and clubs that are actually out there so tell us how how you when you started it how it's been going and how how you do it well it started a few years ago the main man is sam davis who is hopefully listening as as we're talking sam started it a few seasons back uh with sean barker and sean's now moved to new zealand so i have stepped up to to help sam out this season uh we're out every monday morning audio podcast but we've also as you might have seen over the lockdown we've been doing various interviews with former players uh and commentators which has gone really well we've had uh you know some stunning people on harry redknapp uh john williams from solent and mm. uh, some bloke called chris temple who was all yeah. right yeah the batman and robin of uh, cherry's commentary that's for sure <laughs> i do i do think as well you know we're we're about the fans it's not just about mm. sam and me we get a lot of fans uh, coming on regularly and in fact after each game uh, this uh, these final nine games we're doing a fan chat live on uh, YouTube after every game so Brilliant. check that out find us yeah. on YouTube and, you, and join in the conversation because it's uh, it's a very cathartic experience the last two games that's for sure <laughs> lovely to speak to you good luck with the back of the net po- continued good luck with the back of the net podcast Jeff nice to have you on and uh, nice to get a fan's thoughts we'll go to Nick Illingsworth from Saints in a few minutes there's Jeff Hayward from the back of the net podcast the Cherries podcast for fans in Bournemouth. So, Jeff, uh, that was a that was a, a good bit of a podcast exposure for us, wasn't it? It it was, and do you know that I was I was on Solent the previous week as well, and we they they loved all the interviews, uh, the lockdown interviews that we did. So, I mean, that's great, great to have that attention. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was only I, I was only expected to be on for about a minute, and it turned into a 10, 15 minute conversation. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was brilliant, though, and um, it was nice of them to talk about the podcast. And I heard the uh, the breakfast show you did uh, with Joe, and that was brilliant because she, she'd obviously heard about the whole, you know, Willow T-shirt gate and all that kind of jazz. Um, but no, it's I mean, it's it's great to be um, sharing our story of how we do the podcast as well and how it's all been sort of clicking together over lockdown. Despite the facts we've had no football, it's been great to have the opportunity uh, to do these interviews. But um, yeah. It was a good chat, Jeff. It was. And we also had some conversation on um, Five Live as well earlier in the week where Chris Sutton um, oh, quizzed us about Ryan Fraser. Brilliant. Yeah, well, Jeff, I um, I think we should hear it. What, what's the situation with Ryan Fraser? Because I, I have to say this has been a, a bit of a head scratcher for me. I don't know what Micah and, and Rory think. But I, I know he's leaving. But do you think Eddie Howe has made a mistake by... Not it, not even having him on the bench for argument's sake at the weekend when it were when it was awfully flat and whatever people say about Ryan Fraser his decision to go, it wasn't great. You know they they, they look short on fitness. He may have provided that spark, which Chris, Bournemouth have you, have didn't you, have. 
Chris, have you seen Ryan play this season? You know, he, well, I've he, seen Bournemouth been... play, and I wouldn't say that he's any worse than anybody else. Oh, come on. He's been, it's been bubbling away. He's wanted to leave since the start of the season when he refused to sign a new contract. Um, he admitted as much that his head wasn't right for the first half of the season. And I'm, I'm not sure he'd have made that 11 on merit anyway, you know. Not even worth having on the bench, though, when, I, when I you, I mean, you so. called the performance insipid? Yeah, but he said he, he said he didn't want to he didn't want to hurt himself. So he's not going to put in a performance, is he? If he's just going to if he's just going to turn up and and sit on the bench and come off and just stand there, that's he's not going to put in any effort anyway. I I, I have to say, um, I was gobsmacked by Eddie Howe's decision for that. I you know I I can understand uh, the way he's thinking. But when you're in a relegation battle, which Bournemouth are, they need all the help they can get. And Ryan yep. Fraser has been an outstanding player for Bournemouth over the seasons. Uh, and I take your point. You, you'd have seen him play more than more than I have this season. But he, he's still a very, very good footballer. And and I, when, I, when, when the situation is flat, as it was at the weekend, what an opportunity just to throw him on with 15 minutes to go and provide, you know, a spark. Just Just give us something, Ryan. Yeah, I, I just don't think his head's in that place anymore. As, as I say, he's been looking for a move since the start of the season, and um, he, he's already elsewhere and has been has been for many many months and many games this season. Where if he had turned up, you know, we'd have been a different side and wouldn't be in the position we're in. But but you know, he, he doesn't want to play. He's the only player not to have signed for an extra for four games for his contract. You know, what's that say? Ah, uh, Jeff, Chris Sutton playing devil's advocate there once again. I mean, he's famed for doing this on BT Sport and on Five Live, but it it felt like you put him in his place there quite a bit. Well, there are many things that are irritating when the mainstream <laughs> national media talk about us and they're full of cliches. They're full of, you know, you can tell when they haven't actually seen a game that uh, we've played this year or on any length of games. And, you know... The, Ryan Fraser was last season's story for us. This season, we all know that he's been poor, let himself down, not wanted to play. So when when pundits like that talk nonsense, you've just got to put them straight, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. And finally then, yeah, I was on Meridian tonight on Friday night, I think it was, with uh, Andrew Pate. And uh, this was a piece where we were discussing the joys of watching the Premier League from home. Podcasters covering AFC Bournemouth, Brighton Hove Albion and Southampton in the Premier League, as well as Reading in the Championship, have been discussing the return to action. So what was it like cheering your team on from home? I think as a Saints fan, I'm sure many Saints fans, I find myself tutting my way through it as much as I would in the stadium, to be honest, Andrew. So uh, nothing's really changed. There's no queue for the toilets. You can go and get a drink when you want. They're a lot cheaper, things like that. So I think the main thing is still being able to see the game. And as a fan, you know, you want to feel that emotion. You want to feel the ups and downs. And to be honest, I don't think you, you really lack those when you watch it at home anyway. We regard the fans as a 12th man. We've obviously got a small stadium and I'm sure the team take a lot of um, attacking impetus from here in the decibel level at the Vitality. So hopefully the team will put in some improved performances very soon. Some countries like France and Holland ended all football for the season. So are our fans glad football's back here? I think voiding it was a horrible 
horrible idea. Um, and I'm really glad that they didn't go ahead with that. It's really nice the season wasn't cancelled because then we'd be looking at several months without football, which would have been, I think, really difficult for the clubs as much as the, as the fans. And has watching from home led to any new match day rituals? I thought, how could I maybe make the match day experience more authentic? So I was thinking of maybe going for a drive and parking a mile from my living room and then walking back and getting patted down as I enter the house and uh, maybe buying a pie from the shop, queuing for the kettle at half time. Alas, it doesn't replicate the match day experience at all, but I'm trying to do everything I can to make it as near as possible. Football is back, but it's made many fans yearn for a return to the stadiums as soon as they can. So yeah, Jeff, uh, those were my match day rituals that I that I haven't actually done. I actually got a Facebook message from someone who was I don't know if they were joking or not, but they said, "Do you actually drive a mile just to walk back home again?" And they were talking about the carbon footprint. It's like, come on! I was having a joke. I don't really do that. Do you honestly think I get patted down as I, uh, you know, go into my own lounge? I mean, I wish. Um, and also queuing for the kettle at half time. Honest to God, um, some people. But yeah, uh, what have your thoughts been of? what this whole experience, I mean, it's not great, is it? But do you think the crowd sounds have sort of helped or anything like that? Sort of, but it, it feels like it's training games. And certainly the way that we're playing feels like it's it's a bit kind of flat and empty. I think the players do miss that engagement with the crowd, certainly for that home game against Palace. Um, and, you know, I think we'd all be up for it in the stadium with them when we come to play Newcastle, but it's it, you're so reliant on the players being able to get used to it, self-motivate, and just go out there and, and put in a performance. There's sort of two ways of looking at it. You can say, well, we've got a small crowd anyway, so why should it make that much difference? But maybe because it's so small and so compact, it it does make a difference. You sort of think about teams, say, like Newcastle. I mean, the the decibel level that they generate at St James's Park is absolutely huge. And you can imagine that, you know, when they get behind their team, they are ridiculously loud. And you can imagine it's, it you know, it does affect them quite a bit. But you think about the vitality. I mean, we talk about how compact it is and how great the atmosphere can be. We've also had some dire you know, atmospheres this season as well, um, and previous seasons too. So, we, you know, we're not the loudest Premier League fans, but um, some players you just wonder, will it affect positively? Will it affect negatively? For instance, like Wolf Zahar, when we were playing them. Now, obviously, the Bournemouth fans will always be goading him. You're going to cry in a minute or, you know, she fell over, all that kind of stuff. He's got none of that. So he can play without the fear of having the opposition fans having to go at him. Yeah, that that's true, and uh, uh, I just feel that at our stadium we are so different to every other Premier League stadium. That is an advantage, you know. It's a really small, compact ground. The pitch is smaller than you know, compared to Old Trafford or St James's Park. You know, they're vast compared to the Vitality, and um, I think it it really it it's really helpful for us in a much smaller way and slightly different, and obviously. The players feed off the crowd, but also the crowd feed off the players. And if we can see them putting in a, a first 10, 15 minutes like they did, um, well, like they, like they did against um, Palace or against Wolves, you know, you could get behind them and maybe lift them a bit more. And I just, I just think we've missed that connection. Um, however, you know, clean slate come the game against Newcastle. So, 
they're used to it by now. They've got over the sort of um, what needs to be done. And as we were talking about earlier in the show, other sides are terrified to win at the moment. So you think if we can get three points on the board, I mean, crikey, we'll, we'll be nipping at Brighton's heels again, won't we? Which is, you know, insane, really, when you consider how bad we've been these first two games. So, Newcastle United then, 6pm, it's live on Sky and it is certainly a big one for us, Jeff. It's a must-win match. It seems that every other team are falling over. Um, we, If we're going to take our chance, we've got to do it now because with the matches that we've got coming up, uh, I mean, they're not easy. I mean, we know our running. Manchester United, Spurs at home, Leicester, it's... It's one of these matches where we just need to. And I was just thinking about the uh, points return that Watford uh, have got in their last few matches. And they will be really disappointed. They've placed, played Saints, Burnley and Leicester. And they've got one point out of that. They're going to be pissed off with that. Um, this is our match where we can maybe... I don't know. I mean, I'm really disappointed with having a zero points return so far. But we might... Well, I mean, we need to win, don't we? We must win. And it will take us out of the relegation zone. But weirdly, there is a scenario, and I hope this doesn't happen, where we could lose, yet still be out of the relegation zone by the end of tonight if West Ham concede a hatful of goals at home to Chelsea. Which is crazy, isn't it? Again, you know, it just shows how tight it is down there. And looking at the goal difference now with Watford, you know, they're only one ahead of us. So, okay, Mm. they're a point clear, but... One goal, you know, there's nothing. The, the margins are really tight. And um, I, I think we can we can talk a lot about other sides and their performances. I mean, we, we, we could lose every game to the end of the season and still finish above West Ham if our defence plays better than theirs. You know? Absolutely. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be mad? But I think we do have to start winning and we've got... We've uh, well. I I thought before this run started we had four winnable games. Palace was one of those. That's gone. I think Newcastle is probably, you know, it it's it's the must win. It's the it's the game that comes at the right time before we have a tough run of fixtures. And you can see that a win against Newcastle would lift the team. It would lift the the club out of the relegation zone. And it, I think it would just give us a bit of belief. I just hope the players you know, understand how important it is because you wouldn't have guessed it, judging by their reactions after Palace, after Wolves, a, a little bit more so as a number of players slumped to the ground in, in you know, disappointment, maybe even disbelief. Uh, but in terms of our chosen 11 then, Jeff, um, we're going to go through this and we're going to sort of uh, run through the side, um, all the players, in fact, because there's no real dead certs. I mean, maybe you'd say that Ramsdale is for being in goal. So we'll put him in as being in goal and, you know, Nathan Ake as well. But uh, I mean, other than that, some people were saying that Steve Cook had a bit of a poor game against Wolves. What were your thoughts? Um, he was at fault for the uh, Jimenez goal. He did give the ball away a bit, but quite honestly, you're not going to play Mepham there because Mepham is a left footer as well, like Ake. Um, you're not going to replace him with Francis. You're going to play Cookie. Yeah, OK. And our fullbacks. Obviously, we've been talking about uh, this 
uh, this persistence with a right-footed player at left back and even when uh, Jack Stacey came off Smith moved to his preferred side albeit this was late in the game against Wolves Rico's there sat on the bench and Eddie Howe brings on a player that's never played any Premier League minutes before albeit you know an expensive one who we want to mould into our left back of the future but you just wonder what's going through Rico's mind so what would be your thoughts about what to do on um, each of the defensive sides? I think he might make changes. I think Kelly might play left back and I think he might switch um, Cook over to play right back. However, he might have a look at what Newcastle do and think St. Maximum is a bit like Traore. And Smith played well against Traore for 65 minutes. So he might think, you know, I'll stick with Smith and Stacey. So... I'm not sure he will swap it around. I think he might mm. think Smith's a better defender than Kelly. I don't know. It's it's a tough one to call. I'm going to let you call it though because we're well, going to. I'll say you know, Smith. I'll say Smith. I'll, I'll say he keeps Smith and Stacey. Okay, so Smith and Stacey. It's um, it must be a frustrating one for Rico because you know we know that he's got a killer delivery. I, I don't particularly think he did much wrong, but you said um, that a four four two will be the way to line up against uh, Newcastle. What's your thinking behind that? I just think we need to uh, we need to score goals, and the only way you're going to score goals is to create chances. And I think Newcastle are potentially the weaker defence of the three sides that we will have faced. So he may feel, and also the probably less ambition going forwards in other direction, in the other direction. So I think he's going to look to stretch them more and play a bit more like Championship Bournemouth. Are we going to assume that Josh King's going to be okay? Yeah, we've got to. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I I really do hope that he um, he does start. I mean, I know that Eddie has been very well. He hasn't exactly given much away, and I thought he was going to be possibly in contention for the Wolves match, which will indicate surely with you know that amount of time off, he'll be back all guns blazing. I hope. I mean, if not, you know, who knows what we're looking at, especially if we're doing a four four two Solanke with who up front it's it's scary so uh, who would be playing alongside or just behind king i'm going to play brooks up there yeah just behind just behind josh more more sort of that floating role that he played against chelsea a bit uh, when we beat them mm. 4-0 last season yeah okay yeah and i was thinking back to that performance today um you know that performance um earlier i was just thinking about it and with in that, we played brilliantly and we didn't have Callum. You know, Callum was unavailable for that match, whether it was injury or suspension, not sure. Josh King was there. Stanislas, yes, we did have Jordan Ibe. Um, however, um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this could be what unlocks them. So obviously this poses um, a question of who we'd play on the right and left sides then, given that Brooks would no longer be on the right. So I'm going to go with Stanislas and Dan Juma, I think. And which side for which then? So we said Danjuma on the left. Do you know? I'm I'm not sure. They might they might swap about a bit, but yeah, let's put Danjuma on the starting on the left and Stanislas on the right. But I think both players are good enough to um, to change sides, and I think that will give us a bit more go forward and zip um, in attack, which we need. And uh, I mean Harry Wilson. 
obviously didn't have the greatest of halves at Crystal Palace, but we know he's he's deadly from a set piece. But you do, do you think the chances of having uh, Wilson and Brooks on the pitch at the same time, albeit yes, they did for the first half against Palace, but um, do you think that's you know just a no-no? Yeah, I, I can't see that happening. Uh, we need to look at Harry as special teams. You know, if we get a free kick like uh, like Southampton did, twenty yards out. 10 minutes to go and he's not been used bring him on and let's see if he can stick it in the back back of the net and then your two in the middle um i think i know which way you'll go but um do you want to tell me well i'm gonna have uh lerma and i think i think i'm gonna go with billing actually rather than lewis cook yeah i'd agree with that I think I would agree with that. Um, I think, you know, there were a few occasions where Billing um, did have poor games, but, you know, towards the end, especially, uh, you know, against Liverpool, I thought he had a decent game and he was showing some good signs again. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm in tune with that squad, to be honest. So 4-4-2, uh, Ramsdale, so across the back, Smith, Ake, Cook, Stacey, midfield, Dan Juma, Billing, Lerma, Stanislas, and then Brooks playing just behind King. Um is there a, any chance that Newcastle will defend and be as well organised as what Crystal Palace were? Or did the match against Man City on the BBC uh, yesterday give you some hope? Um, well, it did give me some hope. Well, give me some hope. I mean, crikey, you know, Man City are superb, aren't what they? What is hope? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like if we could fashion half the number of chances they did, I think we'd be playing amazingly. Um, I think... I'd feel less confident going into this game if Benitez was the manager because I think Steve Bruce um, is less good on that defensive side and I'm not sure that Newcastle can keep a clean sheet against us. Mm. So the players will probably have a have a uh, have the right mindset to think they can win this game. Um, I mean, they've got to win it, but I think that mindset, that belief will be important as well, which I don't think they had against Wolves and they didn't have against Palace either. Um, And I think also we will have more space to create chances, even if Newcastle play an ultra-defensive game, because I don't think they're good enough in the setup that they have and with the coach they've got to actually deny us that. Yeah. Can I ask you for a prediction then for this one, Jeff? So I'm going to uh, stick my neck out and say 2-0 to us. 2-0. Excellent. I'm going to go for... You know what? I just feel as though we... I'm going to go 2-1. I don't think it'll be plain sailing, but yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1. And fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we can do it. Um, well, Jeff, um, enjoy the game on Wednesday. Hopefully, it'll be a positive one. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. And certainly um, appreciate your contribution once again. And uh, yeah, be sure to uh, subscribe to us if you haven't on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast app, make sure you subscribe there too. And why not leave a review as well? We'd really appreciate doing that because it helps us in all the podcast algorithms. This is Mark Pugh, the foodie footballer, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So there we go. That is episode 87 nearly done. Just to go back to the do you remember at the start of the show, 
And we asked you, what was the last match in the Premier League where Bournemouth managed to score in both halves? The answer was against Brighton and Hove Albion. You weren't winding back that long, but it was this year, 21st of January, at home. Harry Wilson opened the scoring and then Callum Wilson finished the scoring for Bournemouth. We had an own goal in between and then Aaron Moy scored a consolation for Brighton. It was 3-1, but yeah, that was the last time. Now, I'm hoping against Newcastle on Wednesday we manage to do the same. I just really want a big performance, so fingers crossed we'll get one. Remember that after the show, after the show, after the match, there will be a show, 8pm, YouTube and Facebook, We'll also be doing a a sort of semi-watch-along for the West Ham-Chelsea match for the first half as well, because that is crucial. There is a scenario, as I said earlier, where we could lose it against Newcastle, yet still be out of the relegation zone if Chelsea win 3-0. I mean, what on earth is that all about? But we need to get the three points. Lads, if you're listening, we're all behind you, but just leave everything out there, for goodness sake. If you want to take part on the live uh, full-time free-for-all at 8pm, uh, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. That's where you need to go at 8pm and then I'll know you're in the room and I'll bring you in. Just plug your headphones into whatever device you're using, whether it's a laptop, an iPad, a phone or whatever. It just helps reduce the audio feedback. We'd love to have you on and the video goes straight out. Well, it's live, but it's also rewatchable at any time on YouTube and Facebook too. If you appreciate what we're doing, remember you can buy us a coffee at afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. And if you want to watch the match on Wednesday but don't have Sky, go to afcbpodcast.com slash now as you've got some pretty handy offers on there if you want to get a cheap day pass or month pass, that is. Right, for now, enjoy your week. Let's hope AFC Bournemouth make it a good one. And we'll see you next time on Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Adama Traore for the home side again whips in another cross and Steve Cook's there but so is Raul Jimenez it's the Traore Jimenez combination yet again number 15 of the season for Raul Jimenez a ninth assist for Traore you won't find a better cross today straight on the head of the Mexican and Bournemouth are suckered by the most likely combination it would be Wolves have the lead Podcast Network.